Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts. We jumped into the book of Acts shortly after Easter Sunday. The book of Acts tells us about the first church. It's the first community of faith that shaped their life around the conviction that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead and that he was their savior. And so that book of the Bible tells us about what they did as they shaped their lives together. So before we turn to scripture, let's pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for your living word, and we ask that something of what is said and that something of what is heard today may be not of me, but of you and your eternal truth. Amen. Hear these words from Acts 2. Verses 42 to 47. They, that is the first church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is the church necessary? Now, it's no surprise to you that I've been thinking about this question for at least a few weeks because I'd planned to preach on this question a couple weeks ago. But it's not a new question for me. I've asked this question at various times over the years. I definitely asked it when I was in seminary and began to imagine a vocation in ministry. I felt like having an answer to this question was a prerequisite for devoting myself to the institution of the church. I've asked it since then as I've worked for churches. I certainly asked it while I was on maternity leave and for the first time in my adult life woke up on Sunday morning and faced a a choice. Do I want to go to worship or do I want to stay home? There are all sorts of reasons for asking this question. And unfortunately, every time I ask it, I'm reminded that it is much easier than I'd like it to be to make a case against the church. Let's just consider this question together. Is the church necessary? In the last month, many of you participated in service opportunities coordinated through this community. 
but were we actually necessary to those efforts? After all, if you didn't show up to serve at the stew pot, another group of good-willed and big-hearted people probably would have, and our neighbors would have been fed. If you didn't show up to garden at Bonton Farms, I'm sure that there are plenty of folks who don't go to church on Sunday morning, but who are comfortable in the garden and would be willing to pitch in. It doesn't take a Christian to be compelled by the work that they are doing in our city. And had you not furnished an apartment for the Safi family, Refugee Services of Texas likely would have found another group to do it. So is the church necessary, or are we just one more community service? organization. Or what about what happens here on Wednesday nights? Every Wednesday night, this group of members gets together and for hours to practice so that they can lead us in worship on Sunday morning. And if they didn't sing at church, they'd probably find another place to sing. They could join local community choirs. The music may be different, but they could find other places to use their talent. So is the church necessary, or are we another local choir? Last Sunday, we celebrated our seniors and honored them before they go on to the next chapter of life. But they didn't need us to do that, because they'll be honored in many ways by many groups of people at graduation ceremonies and with awards and with various parties. So is the church necessary? Or are we just another fellowship group? On Sunday mornings, groups gather for study and conversation. Many of you are coming from those offerings, diving into biblical texts and hearing from speakers about issues that face our city and our world. But you don't have to come here to do those things. You could enroll at the local seminary and get invigorating classes. You could visit nonprofits and hear about the work that they are doing in our city. So is the church necessary? Or is it just one more educational institution? You give your money to the church, which not only keeps this facility open and the staff paid, but it also allows us to give money to other local partners that we believe are doing good work in our community. Now, you could give money directly to those nonprofits, and plenty of you do in addition to the money that you give to the church. So is the church necessary, or is it just one more way to get a tax write-off? On Sunday mornings, we show up here again and again and again to worship and pray and sing and hear scripture. But if you break it all down, you don't have to come to church to do any of those things. You could do all of those things on your own. You could take a Bible to White Rock Lake and sit on a bench reading scripture and seeing what words stand out to you. You can sit at home and offer the prayers of your heart. You could gather with your friends and open a hymnal and sing your favorite tunes. You could create your own worshipful experience. So is the church necessary, or is it a way to do a little bit of a lot of things in one place? If we stop doing all of it tomorrow, I do feel confident that you'd find other ways to do everything that you do when you come to church. Now, it may not be all under the same roof. You might have to serve in one place, learn in another place. 
But chances are you'd be able to find other places to do what you do here. Now the same can be said of our scripture. Acts tells us what that first church did. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. None of those things have to happen at the church. All of those things could be done elsewhere. See what I mean? It's pretty easy to make a case against the church. In fact, it's almost too easy to make a case against the church. So is the church necessary? Plenty of people whom I love and respect say no. The church isn't necessary. They have found communities through their local gems. They've invested their money in nonprofits, which are admittedly much more effective and efficient when it comes to addressing the biggest issues of our society, things like educational gaps and hunger, poverty, housing crises, and more. And it's true that almost everything that happens at the church can be found elsewhere. And it's true that there are plenty of other ways to find meaningful community. And it's true that there are other ways to be invested in the reconciliation and the healing of our world. And it's certainly true that there are more efficient and effective ways to make change. But it's also true that you can go out and do all those things elsewhere and still come up empty. In fact, if you do go out and do all those things elsewhere, eventually you'll get frustrated because they will fail. Because no matter how committed you are to the cause of a nonprofit, no matter how rich the community of CrossFit or your local gym, no matter how inspiring the courses at the local seminary, no matter how fulfilling the volunteer work, no matter how wondrous the solo hikes are on Sunday morning, no matter the depth of activities and commitments you devote yourself to beyond the church, they will eventually leave you, leave you wondering if there's more. It may not happen for a long time, but it will happen because these commitments are born of personal drives and desires. And if that's all there is, then when our drive goes out, so too does our commitment. Eventually, the nonprofit will fold because the energy and the money and the vision just couldn't be sustained. The community that you thought was unwavering will fail to recognize your absence. At some point, you'll be let down because the commitment wavers and what was once so sturdy begins to topple. Four simple things happened in that first church. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. Nothing earth-shattering. Nothing unique. But guess what happened as a result? Scripture tells us that awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. While the day-to-day activities of the church may not look different from other places, they are because they are grounded in something bigger 
They are rooted in the good news of God's illogical love. Which means that church is about more than shaping our actions. Church is about shaping our hearts. When you come here every Sunday, when you commit yourself to teaching and fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer, you're allowing your heart to take on a new shape. You're opening yourself up to receive the grace and mercy of God in some small way. And when your heart is shaped by God's desires for the world instead of your own, Well, then you'll find the fuel to keep going even when you're weak and even when your convictions are tenuous at best. The wonders and signs being done through the apostles, that's God's mercy breaking through. The wonder is that somehow when a community commits itself to seemingly mundane actions of teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers, God shows up piercing through all that is damaged and discouraging with a love beyond our comprehension. Think about what happens when you come here week after week. Think about what happens to your heart when you hear the words, you are forgiven, soon after you've betrayed the trust of someone you love. Think about what happens to your heart when you realize that the person who betrayed you is offered the same assurance of forgiveness as you are. Or think about how the hope of the resurrection comes to be more than just a wish when you're praying around the bedside of someone who is facing their last days. Think about what happens to your heart when you're gathered around the dinner table and all of a sudden stories begin to be shared and you learn the depths of someone's soul that you had no idea existed before that meal. Think about what happens to your heart when you hear a vision of the world where justice can roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And if you can't recall a moment where your heart was stirred by that, then I invite you to go home and get on your computer and just go back to last Sunday's worship service and pay attention to what happens to your heart when you hear the words of our seniors talking about how this community has shaped their hearts. When God's grace breaks through, Your heart sheds a layer that has been hardened by this world. And that makes it easier to receive God's grace in the future. And that's when you begin to understand that all those other places of meaning in your life, they do have value. But the church has a depth that goes beyond all of them. As one pastor says, church is where Christians find that there is something beyond freedom, and that is friendship. There is something beyond dignity, and that is celebration. There is something beyond guaranteeing a person's security, and that is laying down one's life for their flourishing. There is something beyond vindication, and that is forgiveness. There is something beyond good order, and that is worship. So is the church necessary? I do think the church is necessary. And if these words of Scripture are true, then reps matter. 
Just like exercise, you're not going to strengthen your muscles by lifting weights once a month when you feel like it. You have to commit to the reps if you're going to glean any of the benefits. The same is true of church. You can't simply show up one Sunday morning and check it off the list for the next six weeks. If you're going to allow your heart to be shaped by what happens here, then you have to keep coming, committing yourself to teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. So that is my challenge to you this morning. Commit. Put in the reps. How many times do you come to church in any given month? Start by adding one to that number. Think about how often you teach you fellowship with others, you break bread around the table, you pray. Add one to those numbers too. Put in the reps. Get involved and trust that by repeating these seemingly simple acts over and over and over again, even when they feel mundane, even when they feel obligatory, trust that if you do them enough, signs and wonders will become to done be done through you too. Trust that if we do this again and again and again, our hearts will be shaped so that we can love God and love each other and our world and ourselves more faithfully. I know I'm preaching this sermon as the year winds down and people head off for summer vacations. And I asked myself whether this was more appropriate for the start of a school year instead of the end of one, but I don't think so. Because if we are truly to be the church, and if we are to allow our hearts to be shaped by the grace of God, then commitment to these simple actions cannot be bound to a season. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. Four simple things. Some of you may have shown up this morning feeling discouraged by the church. Maybe you're discouraged by previous experiences of church, or maybe you've been discouraged by this church in particular. Just because I believe that the church is necessary does not mean that I believe that the church gets it right all the time. God knows just how often we get it wrong. The church is made up of humans, after all. And if this is you, I hope your discouragement doesn't get in the way of taking me up on this challenge because you will not find a replacement for what happens here. And so I offer you the words of author and pastor Eugene Peterson, which I hope may be encouragement for you as they have been for me. He said, every time I move to a new community, I find a church close by and I join it, committing myself to worship and work with that company of God's people. I've never been anything other than disappointed. Everyone turns out to be biblical through and through. Murmurers, complainers, the faithless, the inconstant, those plagued with doubts and riddled with sin, boring moralizers, glamorous secularizers. But every once in a while, a shaft of blazing beauty seems to break out of nowhere and illuminate these companies, and then I see what my sin-dulled eyes had missed. Word of God shaped Holy Spirit created lives of sacrificial humility, incredible courage, heroic virtue, holy praise, joyful suffering, constant prayer, persevering obedience. I see Christ, for Christ plays in 10,000 places 
lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I trust that if we each commit to putting in the reps, the same may be said of this community. Are you up for the challenge? Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day and always, always. Amen.